Welcome to Living on Purpose. I'm Mark Pumphrey along with my co-host Dr. Christy Stewart coming to you from the Circle City, Indianapolis, Indiana. And today's show was a request by me. That's right. That's right. He called and said he wanted today's topic and I was like, hmm, that's an interesting topic to talk about. Absolutely. And of course you did all the research on it to find out why we do what we do and how we can start doing something better. But today we're going to talk about the power of misinformation. And it is a powerful, powerful thing. And we all know people like that, right? We go to their house. These are seemingly intelligent people, and they seem seduced by this great power. I don't care if it's QAnon, if it's, you know, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. And they just get sucked in, and you're thinking, how? How is this possible? That This isn't even real. These things aren't even happening. It, it, take the coronavirus. How many people still believe that it's totally fake? And so I, I asked you if you could look up and find out why people, seemingly, you know, educated people, I guess you could say, fall for this. Because in my mind, and we can go back to Star Wars if we want, you can be easily seduced if you were weak-minded. And some of these folks that we come across that we find are sucked into this are not weak-minded people, Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that we need to start with the difference between misinformation, which is kind of what you asked for, and disinformation. Oh, there's a I, difference. Which I think is what you're talking about. Okay. I didn't um, realize there was a difference. There, there is there. a difference. Uh, misinformation is just false or inaccurate information. Okay. Okay. This can be unintentional. Could be somebody spreading a rumor that they really believe to be true or something they really think is true okay and uh we're going to talk about the blue-eyed lie in a bit that that really is information that they believe to be true Mm -hmm. disinformation is similar it's false information but it's deliberately and often covertly spread in order to influence public opinion or obscure the truth and these are such as um you know rumors that you know you're spreading about people so false information that's given to people in order to make them believe something that is not true or to hide something that is true. So okay. there's intent behind. So disinformation really has the measure of intent where just misleading information or misinformation, um, there really isn't an intent. A lot of times w- these people truly believe it. So these are, and I use them interchangeably. You heard me just in the beginning of the intro say disinformation and misinformation. I use them interchangeably, but they are actually different. Yeah, I think the the end result is what you're spreading is not truth. So it's a lie, whether it's intentional or not. So Mm -hmm. I think the end result is the is the end result. um, But the intent behind it. The words mean two a little bit different things. Wow, so just I did not so everybody know knows that there there is a difference. If you read I misinformation didn't. versus disinformation, uh, I I wouldn't have said that difference either. But looking it up by definition, they are a tad bit different. But again, the end result is still spreading some kind of quote unquote information or data that is in fact not quote-unquote, the truth. Well, and i got to tell you, I think the most profound differences is one's intentional and the other one's just, and I hate to say it like that, just kind of like stupidity. You don't well, know that could, there's that, a difference. It fall, misinformation falls under a lot of different categories, but it, it still has the power when it's used as a tool of deception. Yeah. No, that's true. That's true. So when we're saying misinformation, false or inaccurate information, disinformation is intentional. We're saying that somebody is giving you this information 
to purposely mislead you. Right. To convince okay. you something that is not true, that is true, or that is true, that's not true, or Gotcha. What well, but there, there is go. intent behind it. <laughs> and I looked at, too, that there's a couple different ways you could look at this. There's the information that we take in, so like your mass media or business businesses that do even marketing campaigns or you know, newspaper articles or, you know, Fox News versus CNN News and the misinformation that you may be getting. Mm -hmm. So that outside information that we have, that, that the misinformation is more personal, but it's internal, it's coming from the outside. And then I looked at that one is also a way that affects our outer world, such as our uh, personally, right? Mm -hmm. That how is this information and how are we doing this internally to ourselves? How do we lie to ourselves? How do we take something that we know is not true or we don't even investigate whether it is true or not Absolutely. and we internalize it and then we believe it to be true or we sell it to be true personally, right? And, and, and everybody all, does and that. And we all do that. I think some people live here mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, right, that we don't want to look stupid. Uh, we don't want to... Uh, take responsibility for something. We don't want other people to think badly of us. Again, we all f kind of fall in a spectrum of that. I think that we fool ourselves, and we're going to talk a little bit about the blue-eyed lie. And we did a whole show on that concept of the blue-eyed lie of convincing yourself something that's not true and then selling it as the truth. And I know we'll say we're going to get into some different things, especially if you have a different political view, because we're going to talk about the COVID. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. last summer we went into a bar. The first thing the person said, you can come in here. There's no such thing as COVID in here. And I remember that distinctly. Yeah. And it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I didn't feel safe in the bar, even because we were in a mask. And this was pre-mandate mask. Right. This was probably in what? April or May Something of last year effect. before it, you know, we were there. It was a thing, but it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, wasn't widespread. It, right. It wasn't as this major thing that everybody, some people truly believed it still wasn't. Some people were never wearing a mask at this point. Um, that this, that we went into this restaurant and this was in a rural area of Indiana. Yeah. And we were like going in with our mask thinking, Oh my God, you know, I don't feel safe in here. Not knowing that just in a couple months later that, it would just <laughs> blow up. Right, right, that any indoor eating was not safe, whether ever whether people were taking it serious or not. But these people did not take it. They were not taking right. it Right, and it was because of the disinformation that right. kept coming out that led to the misinformation of everybody saying it over and over again. And a lot of that came from mass media. Yes. And, and different forms. And it's interesting, I looked at some statistics just on things, COVID-19 and others, and one said that... 700 people died in Iran of methanol poisoning because of the misinformation around COVID-19 that it could cure the virus. Oh, my gosh. This is, was really troubling that after President Trump had said, consider injecting bleach, you know, as a potential fighting agent mm -hmm. to the virus, disinfectant poisonings were up as much as 121% the day after yes. he said that. I remember that. And that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention found that 4% of respondents to a survey that they did consumed or gargled diluted bleach solutions, soapy water, and or other disinfectants in an effort to protect themselves 
from the coronavirus. And I guess this is what's really important because yes, when I remember him saying that, I'm like, I, I thought it was kind of a joke, but he is, he was the president at the time. And that's not something you joke about. However, that is misleading information that, that was misleading, you know, as, as much as he may have or may not have met that in a joking or unjoking manner, People took that seriously. That's right. 121% increase the next day and 4% exactly. over the, the time period actually did do some version of it. Exactly. So, you know, this is the power of information and how it can just have a profound effect on the littlest things. The smallest things you say as a powerful person can have huge consequences. People pay attention to what you say. Mm-hmm. They do, and words do matter. We say that all the time, and how you use them. And I think there's no bigger disinformation ever spread in history so far than Hitler and the oh, propaganda yeah. based on the fear and hatred of the Jewish people, right? He used coercion, terror, mass manipulation, and brainwashing people into believing his lies of disinformation, uh, killing over 17.6 million people. And even when we're sitting here talking about Hitler, there are people that believe that some of these things never even happened, even though we have proof. Right, right. right. That, again, your disinformation and your oh. your disinformation around conspiracy theories and things like that that are very widespread at this point. Uh, your QAnon information, yes. and all of that that people really want to believe a lot of this information why they want to believe it i don't know i think we're going to get into that a little bit here in a minute mm -hmm. but you know there if you google this there were endless examples of everything from mass killings to mobs lynchings burning people alive all around the world because of misinformation just from the whatsapp the whatsapp yeah if you really? go, yeah if you looked it up there were examples from 2019 and into 2020 i mean pages of examples of again mass killings lynchings burning people alive just because of misinformation that was purposely put out on this whatsapp people were killing people because and, of it and this is what i wanted to this is why i wanted to do the show is because we think of that in a third world sense right that these these people are uneducated. They don't understand. They don't. And this is happening here. Well, you if know, you look at the attack on the Capitol, a lot exactly. of that was definitely based on disinformation because they believed that there was nothing going to happen to them. They had convinced themselves that they had a right to storm the Capitol and kill a police officer and nothing was that was their right to do that and it's my point is that you know we can't think of this as some kind of third world problem right this is happening here right. and it happens everywhere so even if we think of ourselves as highly educated in the sense of the world we still fall victim to this and it's important to know, it's like, oh, no, that happens someplace else. No, it happens here. And this is why we needed to talk. So you're talking examples of mass killings, mob lynchings, people burning alive from the WhatsApp. Just that, just just that, that. example. There was, there's, you can look it up and there's just endless examples through the 2019, 2020. It just yeah. blows me away. And that's a macro, you know, problem when we're looking at media and you know different apps and again the difference between your 
just regular NBC, your regular Fox News, your Fox talk shows, your CNN, your MSNBC, just the drastic difference in the information that you're going to get watching those different networks. You know, that that's a big mass production thing. But sure. when it comes down to even just the people in our lives that we surround ourselves with and ourselves, of what do we do with that information and how are we being influenced by misinformation in our own life and the circle of people that we're, that we're around. You know, I mean, how often do we lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better? All the um, time. <laughs> we lie to ourselves to make something that happened either make us a victim or make us a victor. When, yes. When that may be completely different. How do we alter our memories to make it fit the narrative that we want? Or to make it fit the narrative of the people that we're telling the story to, right? Oh, that, sure. So we're not the bad guy. Again, we all do this in certain contexts. And then kind of we start believing that stuff to be true. Again, we did a whole show on lying and that we all lie 40 times a day. And a lot of that is to ourself mm-hmm. in these contexts. And I think the perfect example was the blue-eyed lie when we're relating to this topic personally. And for those of you that haven't listened to that show, it's... It really, I think, is the most dangerous type of lie out there. Uh, blue-eyed lie is one that we tell ourselves before we tell other people. Right? We want something so badly to be true that's actually false. We tell ourselves enough that we start to believe it to be true, that we make that false actually a truth. Mm-hmm. And it's really dangerous because it is really the most common lie that we tell ourselves. And since it's our belief, it turns into our actions that can be very destructive and interfering with who we are and what we believe about ourselves. Because once we convince ourselves that what we're telling ourselves of what happened is, and we start altering those memories and also altering that view, then we repeat it as truth to other people. And again, the more you tell a lie, the more it becomes truth until eventually it is our truth. And it's destructive in in changing our memories and changing the way that we think and feel about things um, that in the beginning we knew were not true, but now we've convinced ourselves it is. Now it actually is true in our own mind and we sell it out to other people as the truth. And it's really weird how we can alter our memories to fit that narrative, right? Personally, I'm not saying that you can't 100% totally believe that that's the truth, but I think you have convinced yourself over and over by telling the same well, lie or story that mm-hmm. you have, you know, kind of dissimulated and then put back together that you want it to be so badly the truth. I mean, when we break up with somebody, you know, and that the truth that we, we had nothing to do with this, right? <laughs> we were the great person in this relationship, but the other person had all the problems when they're telling the exact same story to whomever's listening to them. Right. And it, I think that that's a great example of blue eye lies, especially when, it, you know, five years from now. And we don't remember the things that we did. We only remember the things that they did. And like and you, some of the things that we remember that they did are actually the things that we did. Absolutely, yeah. And we, we do. We suck ourselves into thinking this because, of course, we do not want to be the bad guy. Right. You know, yeah. it, when it comes to blue-eyed lies, we don't want to be the bad guy in this situation. Like, I didn't show up really well. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. I All these things. But then... When you call me out on it or we get into an argument about it, well, that's your fault. And we wonder why 
patterns keep repeating. Exactly. They keep repeating because we alter our memories and we alter the way that we think about it, that we don't take responsibility for our own stuff. And we all do this. Again, we all, we all do it to a certain extent. Anybody that says they don't, okay, you're telling yourself a story because we do. Right. Uh, some people just live here uh, more than others. Right, and I and I gotta say, even going a little bit back to even listening to the newscast, you know, we rely on those people to give us the information. Now we do tend to go to whomever our political views or things of that nature are similar minded. Similar minded, and so we trust that they have the team of people to do that with. But everything after that is up to you. When we're talking about the blue eyed lies. That can fall into that, too. We've told ourselves this over and over and over and over again to where this has become morphed. Right. We've wanted it to be true. Exactly. Or we've wanted it to be false so much that we've created it to be. Yeah. We, we The story is this now. It started out as that. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, but I think as we move through the rest of the show, I think we can we want to look at this as both perspectives. So mm-hmm. not just the mass media part, but also personally, uh, something triggers and something we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe look at it as a personal thing, because I think that they're we're going to focus a little bit more on the media side of it. But I think that all of this and misinformation, disinformation, again with the blue-eyed lie, is the most dangerous because we create this stuff to be true. That we knew was not true when it started. Right. And I think we're going to, it's going to talk about too that when we hear this stuff, whether it be on social media or TV or whatever, and we don't question it to be true because we, for some reason, we want this to be true. So we just repeat it as truth. True. And we don't do any kind of investigation to find out if it's actually true. So if you Google misinformation, it's going to tell you that social media is the really the biggest blame on the majority of this information. <laughs> But I think that all medias are going to be a are going to be equally in response. I would to this. agree with that because you're going to find again. You can go on to Fox News, you can go on to CNN, and look at the same story and kind of hear the same facts. But the misinformation that fills in the story and makes the story and fills in the blanks are going to mm-hmm. be drastically different to persuade you in one way or the other. That still is misinformation or disinformation, depending upon the topic. Well, sure. I mean, it's the peanut butter that holds the facts together, right? I mean, sometimes it's sticky and messy, but, (laughs) you know. And I think that one of the best examples of how that this happens and how it can be so destructive is what is called the misinformation effect. Okay. So it was research done by Elizabeth Loftus, and she defined the misinformation effect as the tendency for post-event information to interfere with memory of the original event. Kind of what we've talked about, right? Same thing with the blue-eyed lie. <laughs> You're the, the original event, we're clear what it was, and then we don't want it to be that way, so we tell ourselves so many times what happened that we've convinced ourselves. Now we've altered our memory, and we're repeating it to other people of that it's not quite the way that it started. And especially when you repeat the story to somebody that already knows the story, and I'm like, my goodness. I mean, right. I had a friend like that. We, we would talk about the good old times we never had, you know. Right. And there you go. So, sure. I mean, and so it's it, it's talking about the chipping away of a memory and replacing it little by little, right? Right, with, with something that is not true. Okay. And she's done a lot of research on this. She's actually the leading researcher on this misinformation effect. And she states that saying that misleading information is incorporated into one's memory after the event. Um, oh, so we're already starting it right, right impairing, after the event. Right, impairing in the memory 
for the past that arises after the exposure to this misleading information. It can lead to an increased memories and in some cases result in the formation of false memories. Well, and why it happens, the original information um, and the misleading information presented after the fact get blended in the memory. So the misleading information actually overrides the original memory of the event. Uh, the research wow. suggests that since the misleading information is more recent in the memory, it tends to be easier to retrieve. But pertinent data from the original event may never be encoded in the memory in the first place. So when the misleading information is presented, it is incorporated into the mental narrative to fill in the gaps in the memory. Okay. So taking just a moment to bring all that in, we're talking about you witnessed the event or you're wit seeing an event or you're listening, whatever. You know, you, the, the information is coming at you. Then you walk away from it, and your mind is immediately starting to putting in different narratives, chipping right. away at it. Right, exactly. You know, and it doesn't. Hate, it, I mean, it could be anything, right? It, it could be a personal. Uh, it could right. Be a, a lot of times, it's based on past experience or based on new stimuli that's coming into your brain. When the re this kind of thing of research is uh, relating to a car accident, but it can also be relating to other people questioning you and how they ask the questions of the event if you're talking about your personal life mm -hmm. it can be the words that are used to trigger you in that memory because again in this example what she did was she had a groups a large large amount of groups watch the same car accident and they deemed that when they after they watched this car accident they asked the groups and they use the word hit. When the cars hit, how fast were the cars going when they hit each mm -hmm. other? Then they asked other control groups, how fast were the cars growing when they smashed into each other? Okay, so Just they by used using those two words, they switched out those words, smashed into versus hit. When asked how fast were the cars growing when they hit each other, they were generally going at a much lower speed. There wasn't a lot of damage there. It was just kind of a fender bender kind of thing that they hit each other. When they used smashed into in the same sentence, they were cars were going much faster. There was more damage. They at, then they asked follow-up questions to each and said, was there any broken glass or on the ground? When the cars hit each other, there wasn't broken glass. The you know windshields weren't busted. The airbag kind of things didn't come out. Mm -hmm. But when they smashed into each other, they, they remembered broken glass and all of these things that were not present in the video. Wow. Just by switching the words. So again, when you're retelling the story to someone else and they then start asking questions, their questions can lead you into altering your memory in your responses unintentionally. Right. Well, and I then mean, you start switching your story because you know you're emo you're triggered, you're emotionally involved, you're emotionally attached to this, and those things talking to other people can then alter your memory by the questions that you ask is how that she did massive studies over this finding that the words that people use when questioning you when you're telling the story can change your memory of that event wow i mean it, that i think that's very important to understand is because I mean, whether you're a witness to a crime and you're being asked to uh, give the facts you're putting in your own narrative 
all of a sudden, and depending on how the police question you, yes. could have some influence on how you remember this. Will have some Will influence. have. And so this yes. makes perfect sense mm-hmm. why people can get sucked into things. Exactly. Wow. And okay. then, then you start getting triggers. You start getting keywords that people are listening for. In your data yeah. input that then start altering those memories. Even Images more. that, you know, whether you hated this person that was president and they're being hauled off in handcuffs, these images that aren't mm-hmm. real, and you exactly. start to, wow, 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 Some wow. Some of the influencing factors that she talked about, again, we're talking with other people that influence what we believe, kind of what we said. People asking you questions can change your memory of the event. Outside factors like new reports on the topic that people often forget the original source of information, which means that they might mistakenly believe that a piece of information was something they observed personally, when in reality, it is something that they heard afterwards. Again, the smashed glass, when they asked the question, the, the word, the, the smashed into each other, mm-hmm. uh, triggered that. And even though that didn't actually happen, repeated exposure to misinformation The more often people are exposed to misleading information, the more likely they are to incorrectly believe that the misinformation was part of the original event. So something like the fact of if the police officer, you witnessed something happening, did you hear five gunshots or six? Yeah, and exactly. you didn't hear any, but you know, I was like, well, obviously it's five or six. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's that's way. That, those are really terrible questions to ask. But we do that stuff all the time. Again, we think in our personal life, for even talking with our kids or when we start questioning our spouse or whatever, and we put in things that we may believe to be true that aren't, and those things can then actually implant in somebody's memory. As you said, you know, did X happen or did Y happen? And you're like, I don't think so. Or, and those things definitely implant into the memories. That is wild, though. I mean, how just words can have such a profound effect on your memory from someone else. Exactly. And this there's, this was really, really interesting. Cause was, once I really started getting into this, I was really happy you did this topic. Because, again, we, we do this, and we need to really understand that how we ask and how conversations that we have with other people how we could be influencing, especially people that are coming at us that are really upset and really hurt about something, we can implant negative, even more negative into them than we intend by being negative about whatever they're upset about. You know, somebody comes to you about, you know, they had a fight with their wife, right? And then we start bad-mouthing their wife. You can yes. really start implanting more negative things in that memory that never happened. I will say, yes, I, I do try to stay away from that because yeah. as much as you think you're helping, you're you not. Well, and research indicates that that is absolutely true, that you are not helping. Yeah, the only thing you're doing, and I guess that would be true because at the time you're having, I don't know, somebody that's agreeing with you and, yeah, yeah she's this and she's that and... Uh, and, and at least in my experience, when that happens, that's all good and fair, and you and you got and you get to go. Yeah, I've noticed that too about her, and you get to air your grievance out. But then when that gets, they all get back together. That makes things real awkward, you know. <laughs> right. So, 
I, I, I yeah. totally understand that, but but that is very true because even that person complaining to you about their wife or their spouse, that's implanting stuff to you because they're using selective words. It's like you know she never cooks meatloaf and she knows how much I love it. Yeah, she never does cook meatloaf, does she? Like that's right. <laughs> I can right. see that. Wow. Well, or you come back and you say she never does something else, and that she actually does do. Yep. And then now that's implanted that now you believe she never does that, which isn't true. Right. And she she has Those never not once ever, you know, helped me do my own laundry or something right. to that effect. And you're like, huh? And then you always think that there's nothing yeah. that will ever change that. That so I, thought. Right. So I think that it's really important that we know, we realize that we are altering other people's memories Absolutely. by the way that we ask questions. So you got to be really careful, especially when somebody's in an emotional state of being, sometimes, the, you know, we talk about being the devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Okay. That may not be not such a good thing, you know, and going negative with people may not be such a good thing. In, in the end. Well, and do you think, and I don't know if this is in the research, if it is, you know, we can come back to it, but is it because when we're at a higher emotional state, we're much more influenced to suggestion? Well, we're going to do a show doctor, so. next week on <laughs> the facts of the mind, because that really led from this show into to me creating that gotcha. show. Okay. Of how, why does the mind, you know, think the way that it does and how does it, re- why does it react the way that it does? And so that's a really interesting show on the input of information and We're how implanting. little is actually conscious versus subconscious and how those emotions and these memories that are not true get triggered in our subconscious mm. into our long-term memory and they're not true. So it's a little bit different, but but our next week's show is really going to flow into So we're that, implanting this mind. into their minds. <laughs> that's so right. That next <laughs> week, so if you want the facts of the mind and how it works, uh, that's going to be uh, next week. We're using our so. words to suggest to you to listen in again. <laughs> there you go. Another one that we this talk is about is time. That re- misinformation is presented after the original memory. It's likely to be much more accessible. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, the misinformation is much easier to retrieve, effectively blocking the retrieval of the original correct information, depending upon how soon after uh, the event actually took place. That totally makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. we talk about eyewitness accounts all the time about exactly. that. Yeah. And it's interesting that John Spacey had a list of examples of misinformation. And again, this can be for outside information or I think ways that we fool ourselves in the reasoning. And he used one as statistics. And anybody who's ever done any type of research will, un- will understand this, that <laughs> statistics don't necessarily tell you what you think they are. Yes. That's um, very true. You know, we're two and two plus equals four. Okay, everybody will fight that, right? Two and two equals four. Well, if two and two involve two different things, like two fruits and two cars, you're not going to get a similar four. Right. Right? I mean, that might not be a great example, but, you know, we've used the terms of comparing apples and oranges, right? Statistics are designed to tell you what they want to tell you. Yes. Right? So you need to understand that and pay attention to who the statistic is referring and does it have meaning to what you're actually comparing it to. Again, in your own life, in your own memories, are you comparing apples and oranges? Does laundry that your wife never has done equal, you know, the fact that she's never made meatloaf? Right. You know, I, you know, I don't know, but... 
what do those things compare, right? You know, are you comparing like-minded things in your own mind to give some type of projection um, on on pr- predictability of what that means? So you need to know that... I'm going to go with no. Statistics are a good way to provide misinformation by misleading people into what they're actually saying. If you don't investigate, what did they actually study? Well, and I will say, and this is... This is something that people do all the time is say something like, well, statistics say. And I found myself saying that. But what does the statistics say? You know, four out of five doctors recommend that. Where did you get that from the commercial? You know, what investigation did you do that actually supports this theory? Who funded the the research? Exactly. Well, when you're looking to it, somebody says, well, 75%. You think, well, that's pretty credible. Yeah. Well, 75% of four people surveyed versus 75% of 400,000 people surveyed right. are two completely different numbers. They, and when we say do the research, that's exactly what we're talking about is because, yes, if you're saying 75% of, of the people we surveyed said this, polling is probably a really good go. example of that. You know, we polled, and they never say the people that they polled. We polled people, and this is what they came up with. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, misinterpretation, basically, that it makes sense, right? It's based on our own filter and our own life and experience. Uh, cherry picking. Oh, yeah. You know, evidence is ignored that doesn't align with our own narrative, argument, or ideology. We do that all the time. We right? do it all we the time. We pick information that, that fits with our story. Groupthink, the, basically, the social environment um, where we're afraid to speak out because. Uh, we're going to get banished or isolated from our group. So we obviously can just go they've never met you. That's true. <laughs> Contextless information. Um, okay. Basically, you know, again, kind of the same thing that we talked about in the statistics. You know, maybe you watch a 20 second video and you get a snapshot of the event that the video is really five minutes long. And if you watch the whole five minutes, you're missing the whole content, but you, you see that really bad piece in the middle. So you believe it to be true when you watch the whole thing and not necessarily, uh, false rumors, information spread by word of mouth, often changing and becoming further from the truth as each retelling telephone thing we did as a kid right Mm -hmm. you tell one person and you just say you keep repeating it and by the end it has nothing to do with the same thing absolutely false rumors (laughs) fake fake news right if that hasn't become no that's become a buzzword it's defined as disinformation in the media that often introduced for political or commercial purposes again disinformation people purposely trying to provide you with false information intentionally Mm mm-hmm and propaganda, which is kind of the same thing as disinformation uh, that's from a government, political party, industry, and organization. So a large scale, um, large scale thing. But what I found most interesting, and we did a show on that we focus a lot on gaslighting. Yeah. And I was surprised when I did the research on this that when it talked about the power of misinformation, that when we're talking on a personal level, that gaslighting was a huge part of this. That would make sense, though. It did make sense, but I didn't really think about it. I was surprised that this came about when I was putting this together. But then it was like, my God, that is absolutely the truth. That, you know, for people who haven't listened to that show or aren't familiar with the term gaslighting, is a sustained and strategic use of misinformation to attempt to cause someone to doubt their memory, perceptions, or sanity. (laughs) 
Now, yes. not all misinformation is gaslighting, kind of what we talked about. Right. But it is a common way to control by intentionally making someone feel mentally unbalanced. This can take place from a political leader standing on a platform, gaslighting people to make you feel stupid or to make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about. And so you have to believe them. You know? Or justifying everything that you felt before. Right, exactly. You know, in some kind of way. Or uh -huh. telling you you're crazy because you feel that way. Right. Yeah. Um, some of the pieces are denying perception. So creating an individual to doubt their own perceptions by, by providing them misinformation. So you're drilling misinformation into them so they actually start doubting their own perceptions. Mm-hmm. Denying the facts, denial of concrete facts in a bizarre way intended to target an individual's sense of reality, convincing someone that an event never actually happened. Oh, I've had that. <laughs> I've had that happen a, quite a bit. Um, and you see this a lot, even at work, right? <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. But that well, especially is, if that person's in the wrong and you, you're bringing yeah. it back up to them, it's like, so that, that didn't happen. happen. Right. And then you, they create, you're the crazy one. Yep. Setting people up to fail. Planting information in order to have someone else perceived as hysterical or delusional, telling someone something bad, then denying you ever said it. No, oh, yeah, that, that's what, <laughs> yeah. These narcissists do this a lot. Yep. Um, this was interesting. I'd never seen this one, and I actually had a conversation with someone the other day. They were in a relationship with someone who definitely was a big gaslighter. And um, okay. it was the illusionary truth effect, because this is the, the, nah, one of the main a... things that they used against them, which is the tendency for people to believe something that they have heard repeated many times, even if it isn't true at all, telling someone that they are bad at something or behavior is bad until they actually believe it. And uh... we see this a lot in people that have really low self-esteem and they think that they're terrible at something that they would, in fact, they're not. But they have heard it so much in their life, especially as kids, that they now believe that they're terrible at X when it's like, no, you're not terrible at X. But it's called the illusionary truth effect. That is wild. I is, didn't know it had a name, but it yes. It's actually telling people bad things about themselves enough to where they actually believe it to be true. Wow. Watch how you talk to your partners. Watch how you talk to your kids when you're angry. That's what, that was one of the things I looked at, even though this is intentional and gaslighting. But pay attention to what you're saying because, you know, just because you're mad at somebody for something doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Yeah. You know, learned helplessness. Gaslighting is used to establish dominance over someone whereby they learn not to trust their own memory, cognitive abilities, or sanity. So they begin to depend on you, the manipulator, to do that. Absolutely. So, that is 100% true. Yep. Those are some of the things that you can take away from that and really kind of understand why that gaslighting goes on, you know? And the illusionary truth effect was yeah. fascinating to me. I didn't know they actually had a name for it. So just know that the power of misinformation, um, especially for people that are very dysfunctional and narcissists and vulnerable. Uh, very selfish, are people that are excessively vulnerable or that type of thing, these people are going to be prone to gaslighting or being susceptible to gaslighting mm. so just know that that this is a thing that is very very common in our world right now that we live in especially on our political structure that we just got out of the last five years because there was a lot of gaslighting going on up on that platform talking to us 
that we did not realize. Absolutely. And these are the things that we're telling you you could recognize either in yourself or others. And now that we have talked about actually illuminated on the fact of how this can happen to you, to someone you love, what are some of the things that we can do about the misinformation? We need to first kind of decipher is the misinformation intentional or unintentional. I think that that does that make, make a difference. Again, I don't know that the effect is different. Now, this takes the gaslighting out, but is somebody what? intentionally lying to you? And just because they believe it to be true doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're not intentionally doing it. Well, sure. So yeah. you need to know, are they are they intentionally harming you or not? I think is, is one first thing. If it's something that you need to remember, if it's an event that happened that you think is going to come back and bite you or you need to know, you need to write it down as soon as the event happens in as much detail as that you can, mm-hmm. that you remember at that time. Before you're talking to other people, before you get interrogated by the police or before you get interrogated by your spouse or whatever, you need to write it down in as much detail as possible. Cross-reference the information to see if it's actually true. That would make sense. We talked about that earlier. Where are you getting the information from and how accurate it is? Exactly. When given information or statistics, see if they're comparing similar things. Mm. Again, Very <laughs> this important. is when you watch a TV commercial and they're telling you this stuff, um, you need to know, are they comparing the same things? Right. Yeah. And even if we're talking about statistics and it was a poll, how, what were the questions that they asked? Are they right. leading questions? Are they... How many you, people did they poll? Exactly. You know. You know exactly. So, yeah, there, there's definitely that. You need to research your own information on that. Don't share the information until you've checked it out for yourself so you're not spreading misinformation. <laughs> Uh, get yourself information from the most reliable sources, which is kind of tough these days. And withhold answering questions if you're not sure about the answer. And it was interesting, I um, kind of end on this, that I, Life Kit found five ways to spot misinformation. Well, and I guess this is really important because as much as we want to think that we can just spot these things happening, we, we don't. We don't. Right. We don't even spot it in ourselves. Right. Let alone spot it in people that this is their job to misinform us. Yeah, I get well that's true, because if we're telling ourselves that blue eyed lie, right. how are we supposed to recognize it in other people? So right. there you go. Yeah. So these are five ways to spot the misinformation that's coming at you. Correct. Exercise skepticism. You Compare information from several sources and when someone tells you something, how can they prove it? And when something is generally too good to be true, it is. Well, and also, when we say skepticism, but when we're saying this, right, we're telling you you're not a Debbie Downer by being skeptical. You know, we're saying that you want to find out this information because we all know that person that goes, well, yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, they're always playing the devil advocate. Don't even mention it. Just find out for yourself. I don't know how many times I've researched something because as much as I want to think I knew something about the subject... And I didn't. Right. Yet once I found out that, oh, there's more to this, then I felt silly for even having the conversation in the first place. And this isn't in here, but but most of the time when anything is coming, it always and never. <laughs> you can pretty much tell that, okay, we need to take a look at that. Because nothing is always or never. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very true. That's a great example. The second one was understand the misinformation landscape. Right? Reduce dependence on social media. Again, if you look this up on Google, it's going to blame social media for everything. Um, but understanding that social media have no financial obligation to tell the truth. 
just how many users that they have. So right. I think this is changing a little bit just because of all of the big problems with Facebook and Twitter and stuff that they are taking a little bit more social responsibility on what's on their social network. But understand that it's an entertainment tool. It is not an information source. That's a another great point. Uh, the third was pay attention when reading about emotionally charged and divisive topics. That, Again, yes. know your triggers, right? And misinformation is more effective on hot button issues and the immediate news. So you need to ask yourself, uh, is this a complicated subject? Is this something that's emotionally triggering me for whatever reason? Like you talked about earlier is when you're emotionally charged on something, are you going to believe this stuff more? Yes. Or is it a breaking news story where the facts aren't necessarily able to be assessed yet? And then you can actually process more information. But if you're getting emotionally charged on something, you're going to be more susceptible to believing fake information, I think. Especially information that's going, that's going in that, that whatever you're emotionally charged about. Fourth was investigate what you're reading and seeing, asking some questions like, is the content paid for by a company, a politician, or kind of any potentially biased source? Five, as yelling probably won't solve misinformation. No way. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, intention, again, we've said intention matters. We did a whole show on that too, if you want to talk about intentions matter. But is the person being triggered um, or are they spreading false information on purpose? Is it based just on our perception? The person you're arguing with right, really likely believes that they're telling you the truth. I think most exactly, of the time. Because yeah. if they're lying to you, they're probably just going to go away. Um, and handle discussion in private rather than in person. And I think that what it's saying to me is go do your research. One of the things that I think it probably should probably say more so is look at all the research. So if you really believe that X happened and you only watch or read the news about why X happened. Well, is there another side to this? Oftentimes, we're only arguing one side to a story, and we never look at the other side. Right. There's always angles to a story. That's right. So, you know, that would be my advice is, does it, does it happen on Fox News and does it happen on CNN? I guarantee you the same story will have two different viewpoints. Right. And we're talking about social media. It was interesting. that There was one study done that found that 59% of the links that were shared on social media actually don't get clicked on, that got forwarded on. So uh -huh. don't just click and believe the headline that you oh, read. Yeah. Actually read the story. On another thing, it said um, that thinking that the first means best, right? Just because it's the first thing that pops up on your search engine doesn't mean that it's the most reliable source. Right. <laughs> and 82% of middle schoolers didn't know the difference between a real news story and a sponsored content story. Ooh, that is so that's scary. scary. That is scary. So, if, you know, how many of us actually pay attention to that? Uh, but the fact that 59% of people actually just read that headline and then got upset about it and forwarded yep. on and it wasn't true, that's a problem. Yeah, we love the headlines. We mm -hmm. don't want to mess with the details. So, right, yeah. That's right. Well, and I guess, you know, getting wooed by visuals, then they have a, a pretty big factor in it, too. It does, because that's one of the things that, you know, marketers and advertisers want. They want yeah. to woo you by that. And so if you can easily be wooed by a pretty picture and then get you sucked into a story or some information that's not true about that pretty picture. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. We're talking about the Internet. So oftentimes, you know, you have people that would create URLs. 
you know, hyperlinks to get to a store, and it looks legit. Right, exactly. And it is mm -hmm. so far from it. Right, if you see the word sponsored content or pound ad or paid partnership or presented by, that those should be good targets on telling you that this is a sponsored ad. It is not a legit story. Right. And the, I think the last one on this was the influencer expert that people believe celebrities. They do, don't they? They do. You know, again, we talked about the fact that President Trump got up there and in one day, the poison control got 121% more disinfectant yes. poisoning calls and that 4% actually did this crazy stuff with bleach mm -hmm. um, just because he said that. So if you people that do have a voice, they need to really be careful on how they use it. And hopefully we're getting back to some normalcy in that. <laughs> but yes, we do. And th these are some of the things that we wanted to talk about, about misinformation and disinformation how it affects you in your everyday life how you as a seemingly and and i know i keep using the word educated as if that's somehow some spectrum of influence of how this works i do i think that when we think how people get sucked into this stuff we really genuinely think that they're really easily swayed to these kinds of things well we're not right we're the pillar and right. Oftentimes, we, it's, it's small, it's subtle, and it's just picking at it one little bit at a time. Yep. And so, you know, when you're sitting here thinking about misinformation or disinformation, or if you truly believe whatever this site is saying, we encourage you, urge you, to start doing research outside of that. Right. Check it out to see if it's true or not. Exactly. So I hope that gave everybody some kind of insight on how you get suckered into misinformation <laughs> and disinformation. Well, and this was your request. So it I was. I hope you're happy with content. I am. I, and thank you for researching this. I got to tell you, I didn't know how much research actually went into this before you actually researched the research. Right. And, and how easily, by just suggesting a couple of different words, can totally change the outcome of what somebody thought. Right, and how emotionally charged we are can alter the reality of our memory. Absolutely. And the, how that we asking questions or people asking questions to us in Changes an emotional everything. state yeah. can actually change how we remember things. So just awesome. remember that, folks. I mean, everything is about that. You know, how emotionally charged are you? How much information are you getting from this? What are they saying? How are you saying it? These are all things that we need to think about exactly. when we're in the misinformation and disinformation realm. Yep. Because it's widespread and oh. we do it to ourselves every day. Every day. So... So we're about out of time for this show, and we have some great news. Starting January 1st, 2022, you can find our show at livingonpurposepodcast.com or any of the podcast platform like Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher. Just search Living On Purpose Podcast and subscribe to the podcast or look us up on Facebook and give us a like and let us know what you want to add to this new show. That's right. So live every day of your life. On purpose. On purpose.